Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Takeda, better health, brighter future. Hello, and welcome to another episode of ADHD 365. Today's episode features Anne Dolan, who is a recognized expert on education and learning disability issues. Ms. Dolan shares tools, strategies, and tips with parents so they can help children learn to manage homework autonomously. My name is Ann Dolan, and for the last 24 years, my tutors and I and executive function coaches have been helping kids to overcome homework obstacles and to improve their performance in school and hopefully help their parents reduce stress along the way. So when parents call our office to ask for help for their kids, they're saying very common things, especially as we come out of COVID and kids are back in school. They say things like, oh, just sitting down and getting my kid to focus is a battle. You know, he should be able to do this by now in ninth grade. I'm worried that my child won't be able to keep up. If things are already like this in middle school, what's it going to be like in high school? Um, others say, I have to stay on top of her to get anything done. Sometimes parents will say, look, I've got three kids. This one who's having difficulty with homework, he's not my only one. I've got two other kids to worry about. And on the other hand, when kids, uh, when we work with kids, they say things like, don't worry, I've got this, especially when it comes to parents. You know, and parents report this too. Their child is kind of pushing them back. The child may accept help from somebody else, but when it comes to mom and dad, not so much. So we'll th- say things like, back off, mom. Don't worry, I've got this. Don't micromanage me. I'll do it eventually. Or don't worry, I promise I'll turn it in. I don't know why it's missing in the grade book. Do any of these things sound like they happen in your house? So it's easy to think that, oh gosh, a lot of these issues with sitting down and focusing and executing on a task are just due to, you know, not a lot of practice during COVID. But as we all know, as parents of kids with ADHD, that's really not what it is. These things have been going on for years with our kids. And so often we know that these are ADHD related. We know that many of these issues are actually called executive function issues. These are um, mental capacities or the cognitive abilities in the frontal lobe of the brain. And executive functions are super important for school. So I want to share with you six strategies to help at home. Three are for structure, and then three are for helping kids to focus and to finish. All right. Oh, and then I can't forget, this is actually the most important part and my favorite part. These are conversation starters or basically powerful questions. And really, I want to share with you information on how to communicate better with your kids. Because at the end of the day, you can have all the tricks up your sleeve you want. And in fact, I have a lot of them as a, as a former teacher, as a special ed teacher and a tutor. I've worked with hundreds of kids and I have a lot of tricks. But my best strategy is really good communication and asking powerful questions. So we're going to talk about those too. All right. So number one, this is super basic, but we but actually things have changed in the last year and a half to two years. So that's why I bring this up is to determine a place. Where do kids, your kids usually do their homework? Kids need a desk and a chair. They need their shoulders and their back on the the back of a chair. 
and they need their feet on the ground. Grounding helps with focus. So ideally, if kids want to do homework in their room, which isn't the best, but it's hard to fight with them when they're 16 about this, make sure they have a desk and everything on that desk is cleared off. It's really just for academics and they're not sitting in their bed. The other things that help are if they do do homework somewhere else are noise canceling headphones. Sometimes kids, especially with ADHD, they don't do well alone. They actually do better at a place like Starbucks or sitting in the middle of your kitchen table when there's lots of things going around. They like the hum of a busy area. And if that's the case, fine, but maybe consider noise canceling headphones if they're in situations like that. It can be really helpful tools for kids. And number two, again, super basic, but sometimes we fall out of practice with these things. Choose a start time. Our kids with ADHD, they stay up late. Their clock is a little bit off and they push anything they have to do until the really last minute, which is often like 11 at night and they're staying up far too late, sometimes till one or two in the morning. And it's a natural reaction as parents to focus on when they're finishing. You know, you need to be done by midnight. You need to be done by 10. Turn your lights off, get to bed. But really a better way to approach it is to talk about what time are you starting? Um, our middle and high schoolers, we want to encourage them just to get started before dinner or right after they get home from practice. And these are good times because even if they just figure out what they have to do and just make a little list or take out the one thing that they want to start on, in my mind, that is starting and that kind of gets them going. It really reduces procrastination. So ultimately, I guess what I'm sharing with you is that we really want our kids to be a detective. We want them to try to figure out what works well for them. Is there a place to do your work that works well for you? Um, what time of day do you do work better? Are you better, you know, um, right after dinner when you've had something to eat? Are you better right after you get home from your sports practice because your energy is pumping? Little things like, what are ways on Sunday to prepare for the week? Are you better if you pick out your clothes? Um, does it help you to put your things together the night before? So by asking kids and, and really just having the discussion, what works well for you allows them to be that detective. So they're solving their own problems before they leave your nest. You know, when it comes to middle and high school kids, we often assume we know why they engage in behaviors like procrastination. For many of us, we just assume that when our kids procrastinate, it's because they don't want to do something. You know, like, oh yeah, my kid's perfectly smart. He knows how to do it. He just doesn't want to. But honestly, I can tell you in working with lots and lots of kids over the years and also working with my team, who then they work with lots and lots of kids, there is a common theme. Most of the students we see with ADHD, they want to do it. Like they don't want to be a failure in school, but oftentimes they're not sure how to get started. They're, they are overwhelmed and they're underprepared. So that with our ADHD kids, I'd say is, is the biggest bulk of kids that procrastinate. But the biggest growing area is, are the kids that also have anxiety. And these kids tend to exhibit perfectionist strategies. So they'll put stuff off. They, they procrastinate like crazy 
partly because they're afraid that what they do isn't going to be very good at all. It's not going to get them a grade, a good grade. So in their minds, they're thinking, why bother even starting this? It feels really hard and difficult. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to get a good grade. It's not going to be just so. It's not going to be perfect like I want it to be. So I'll just put it off till later. And that's never a good thing. You know, ultimately, when kids feel like they're about to procrastinate, that's that's really the first step in dealing with the problem is to know you're going to do it because then you can take action. So let me share with you a couple of strategies to take action. One is using a timer. We work with middle and high school kids all the time on timers. You want to make sure that kids set them for a super short amount of time, like five minutes. I call this one tolerable 10. Anybody can tolerate anything for 10 minutes. But basically, you tell your brain, I'm just going to do this for 10 minutes, and then I can take a break. And often, it's those little things that get kids started. Now, when they have to do something for a longer swath of time, I recommend to middle and high school students the Pomodoro technique. And that's when you set the timer for 25 minutes, because there's lots of research that shows the optimal amount of time to pay attention to a task isn't 10 minutes, it isn't an hour. Your sweet spot for how long you can focus is actually 25 minutes. So you get a timer, you set it for 25 minutes when you have something bigger to complete. This is different than if you just can't get started. This is, okay, I can get started, but I need to work on this longer. And when the timer goes off, you give yourself a break for five minutes. And then if you want, you can set it again for five minutes. We know also that the brain cannot handle more than four of these Pomodoros. So this is what it looks like. And you might find this helpful in your own life. Set it for 25 minutes. So do a Pomodoro break, Pomodoro break, Pomodoro break, Pomodoro. And really that amount of work is where it's at. The brain can't handle much else. So for our kids, oftentimes it's, okay, let's start out with a short amount of time, like 10 minutes. And if you can master that, let's see if you can do 25 minutes and take a break. So sometimes it's just one Pomodoro and maybe even two. Um, Other things that can help are apps. And these are in the category of website blockers. These allow kids to blacklist the sites they deem to be distracting and just focus on the ones that they want to do, that they want to work on. And oftentimes kids, like they are actually pretty good detectives um, when it comes to what distracts them. So they'll say, I spend way too much time on YouTube. And then we'll recommend a website blocker. Could this help you? Do you want to try it out? Um, and then they'll, they'll set it for a specific amount of time that say they want to study. And that really helps them to control their habit of, say, too much YouTube. All right. So let's go back to perfectionism real quick, and then we'll move on. Um, here's what I found for perfectionists. If you have a kid who's super stuck and they're like, they won't even tackle anything because they have a laundry list of things to do and they're behind, which often happens with our kids with ADHD, I'd encourage them to think about their assignments as must do, should do, could do. And must do, so you would ask them, oh, let's look at your list. Is there anything on here that you absolutely must do? It's due tomorrow and it's really important for your grade and you'd feel a gazillion times better if you got this done. That's a must do. So they code that assignment a must do. The next one is a should do. Um, Is there anything here that you should do? But if you don't, it's not the end of the world um, because it's not due tomorrow. Code that one a should do. 
And then could do's are all the nice to haves. You know what? You already studied for that science quiz. You, you, maybe you could take that off your list. You don't need to study anymore. It's okay. So then your list is just, is just left with must do's. And for our kids that are ADHD and they're anxious, helping them to break down their list is often helpful. So next steps, um, I've shared a lot of strategies with you. I would encourage you to just to pick one. If one resonates with you, just choose one, not like three, but just one thing. And know that sometimes kids are open to a suggestion. Honestly, it's easier for kids when they're in elementary school, but as they get older, they want their independence. So I've found that having a discussion with kids about an idea is much, much better than saying you should do this or, hey, I learned this on a webinar. Why don't you try it? It's better if you say, oh, I heard about this and I just wanted to pick your brain. Do you like this idea? I don't know. It might work for you. It might not. So if you want to tackle these things at home, I would recommend that you start with a conversation and number one, remain calm. Um, whenever we have an issue with our kids and we see something that's happened, like we go online with them and see like they have five missing assignments. It's easy to throw a fit in the moment and just go at them about why they have all these missing assignments. But a better idea is really to try to discuss it calmly. And if you find that at that point, you're really upset about something, I would push it off to later. And I might say to your child, hey, can we talk a bit? Can we talk about this tonight after dinner? How's 730? And that it really works well with high school kids. They want to be treated like an adult. Or let's talk tonight right after soccer practice. Does that work for you? And so when you see that your child is struggling, I would recommend using the words I've noticed. I've noticed it's hard to stay on top of things. So I noticed is really good because you're not saying, hey, you have five missing assignments. I logged on to Canvas and I saw that. Or, oh my gosh, how are you ever going to get into college when you have C's? That's not going to get you into any university. So by saying I've noticed, you're taking you out of the equation and you're just like commenting on what you've observed. So I've noticed it's hard to say on top of things feels better than you're missing five assignments. So when you say, I've noticed it's hard to stay on top of things, you just want to pause and stop and just listen to what your child says. Or for example, if you see that they're having a hard time with math, you might say, I've noticed algebra is really hard. Tell me about it. And all your goal is at this point is to be a really good listener. This is my best strategy when I work with kids is really to be a good listener and say, oh, really? Tell me about that. And they might say things to me like, um, I have the worst algebra tutor and teacher in the whole school. She's so unfair. She gives a ridiculous amount of homework. Oh, really? Huh? Tell me more about that. And I'm just getting kids to basically talk and trust me. Um, and so as parents, we kind of want to do the same thing. We don't want to fix all the issues. At first, we want to be a good listener. So what we want to do on an ongoing basis is to ask powerful questions. Questions are really great for kids with ADHD, but they have to be the right types of questions. So instead of saying, do you have homework, which we often say when our kids come through the door, you might say, What's the one thing you need to get accomplished? 
And that helps kids with these executive function weaknesses. They're really prioritizing their head. Hmm. I got to do these three things, but you know what? This is the one thing I really want to get done. And your child may not be overly verbal with you. It's <laughs> unlikely that your daughter will say something like, well, gee, mom, let's see. I've got math. I have to do that science lab and I can't forget about that English essay. It won't happen. However, your child will start to think about, okay, what is that one thing I get done? I need to get done, even if they don't say it to you. Other things I've been found to be helpful is, especially with kids with ADHD, is something called a readiness rating scale. And there's a really good book by Jerome Schultz called Nowhere to Hide, which I love. And he uses a different version of the readiness rating scale. This is my version, but it comes from him. And he's really wonderful. So basically, you're asking your child questions on a scale of 1 to 10. So, for example, if you see that they're really procrastinating over an assignment or they've had something overdue for a while or it's due soon and um, they're really struggling with it and they're throwing fits over it, you might ask a couple of questions. So here's the first one. On a scale of one to 10, how easy is this assignment? So one would be like super hard and really difficult. Um, and, and 10 would be really easy, like my grandmother can do it. And then the next question is, how motivated are you to do, to do this assignment? So the reason these questions are helpful is you want to know, does your child feel confident? Is it easy? Is it hard? And more importantly, are you motivated to get it done? So what we find is that when kids are over here, when they're, you know, in one, two, three, or four land on how hard is it? And their motivation is also at the lower end of the spectrum. They're not going to do this. They're going to give you a hard time. They're going to procrastinate. They won't ask for help. It's just going to be really difficult. So if you hear this from your child, that's when you, you really want to take action. Somewhere in the middle is okay, even if it's a five and a five, because that means it's kind of challenging, but they feel kind of confident. And then over here, if they're like eight, nine or 10, that's going to make it easy for them. But the reason I, I bring this up is because if your child's a one, two, three or four with both how they feel about the assignment and their motivation, it's likely that their brain is going to go into or already is in flight or fright or fight, or even freeze mode. So that means when something's really hard and you don't want to do it, your brain either fights back. So that could be an argument with you over the assignment. It could be, um, so that would be a fight. It could be a flight, which would be a total avoidance and just doing something else. Or it could be a freeze, just sitting there and not knowing what to do at all. And so if this happens, if your child says, oh, I'm a one, I'm a two, I'm a three, I'm a four, your goal at that point is the same as before, to listen and nod and say, I get it. Tell me more. Oh, you're right. That is hard. Uh, you don't have to agree with them, but you can empathize. And then you want to say, tell me more about that. Or what's your first step? What do you think your first step could be to tackling this? Is there something super easy that you could do to get going? And that's really the first step is to ask kids what's something easy they can do to approach it. 
And it might be with you. It might be on their own. It might be with a tutor. It might be with their teacher. could be with their counselor. But they need to have a game plan as, as to how they're going to tackle it. In general, when we work with kids, we found that why questions do not go over well. And I found this as a parent too, that when we say things like, why didn't you turn that in? Or why did you get a C on that science lab? You had two weeks to do it. The questions are hard for kids to answer. Okay, why did I get a C on that science lab? Well, let's see. Um, I didn't really understand how to um, do the lab. So I for- I put it off and then I forgot about it. And I thought about it the night before, but it was super late. So I just slapped something together and turned it in. It's kind of hard to process all that. And plus, kids aren't going to tell us that because that type of answer, number one, requires a lot of critical thinking and um, honesty too. So when we ask tons of why questions, why didn't you get up on time? Why didn't you go see your teacher? Like you said, it actually results in disengagement, meaning kids will just pull back, especially boys. They'll just walk into the room and close their door, or it could result in a conflict, which is argument which we often see with our daughters. So instead of why questions and and looking backwards, you can look ahead. You know, instead of why didn't you turn that assignment in, um, do you have anything coming up in science? Instead of, I don't understand how you can already have missing assignments when the quarter just started, you might say, I've noticed there are some missing assignments. What's your first step to tackling them? Thank you, Ms. Dolan, for an informative presentation on the right way to communicate with our kids so that we can help them to stay motivated, organized, and on top of assignments. I think that everyone will benefit from your advice on ways to tackle perfectionism, overcome procrastination, and help students to focus and finish their homework. This podcast was sponsored by Takeda. Better health, brighter future. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast.